are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to talk to you tonight on four words, into all the world, into all the world. Father, bless the message tonight in a special way. This is the kind of sermon that maybe is not my favorite to preach, and yet it's something we've got to be reminded of over and over again. It's not the kind of sermon that's going to give anything to my people. It's the kind of thing that's going to encourage my people to give what they have to others. I do not come tonight on behalf of those in this building. I come on behalf of those not in this building and don't ever sit in this building unless we obey what I'm preaching and what thou hast taught us in the word of God tonight. So bless us as we do fellowship together. Amen. Not one word in this book is by accident. The Bible says that every jot and every tittle is important in this book. Every once in a while somebody says, you believe in verbal inspiration? I go beyond that. I believe in tittle inspiration. I believe every jot, every tittle is placed here. There are no uh-ohs, no accidents, no mistakes in the Bible. See, the house, can you, can you uh, explain all the contradictions in the Bible? First place, there are no contradictions in the Bible. Now you say, Brother House, can you can you take this verse? I, I, if I could do it, I'd be God. But but there's no this every word every word in this book is here on purpose. So it is not surprising that the words of the Great Commission differ in different renditions of the Great Commission. I heard a man stand out long ago. He said Jesus gave the Great Commission one time, and he said Matthew gave it uh, Matthew gave it in one way. And Mark gave it in another way, and uh, and then Luke gave it in Acts in another way, in Acts 1.8. That's not true. I have no doubt but that on the mountain, when Jesus, uh, when they went up the mountain of Ga- near, in Galilee, and Jesus gave the Great Commission to the eleven, I have no doubt but that he gave it many times. I have no doubt that he said many times, now you take this message to the whole world. Then he'd paraphrase it and say, you go to all nations and take this message. And so... It's not a matter of trying to trying to reconcile Matthew when it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way, even in the world. Um, it's not a matter of reconciling that with, with Mark, which says, uh, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and uh, where it says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, no, there's no reconciling, no need to reconcile, because there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus gave the Great Commission more than once, and he gave it in different words. So when Matthew says, in, teach all nations, the word nations there is on purpose, and when Mark says, preach the gospel to every creature, that's their own purpose, and then I go into all the world, he said, that's their own purpose, and then when... when uh, uh, Luke said in Acts uh, 1.8, Luke who wrote Acts, said in 1.8, uh, all the earth, uh, you have the word uh, nations mentioned in one place, you have the word uh, world mentioned in one place, you have the word earth mentioned in one place, and all of those are not only different words in the English, they're likewise different words in the Greek. For example, 
In Matthew it says, teach all nations. Teach all nations. That same word nations is used again in Luke 24, 40, 47, 48, 49. And uh, teach all nations. That word nations is the Greek word ethnos, from which we get our word ethnic. He's saying teach all uh, nations, teach all races, teach all ethnic groups, teach every color, teach every race, red and yellow and white. Uh, boy, I messed you up in a hurry, didn't it? <laughs> uh, red and yellow, brown and white. They are anyway. Uh, no, what he's saying is, he's saying it's my job to get the gospel to the to every group in the world, every ethnos, every ethnic group, every nation in the world. Now, uh, in Acts one eight, it does not use the word ethnos. It's a different word where it says, uh, "Go to the." uttermost parts of the earth, and that word earth is a Greek word that means land. So not only is God saying go to every ethnos or every uh, uh, race, he's saying go to every speck of land in every race. You see, if, if it meant just teach all nations, you go to Germany and witness to one person, the job's finished. You go to Russia and witness to one person, the job's finished. You go to South America, to Brazil, preach the gospel one person. No, he said, first he said, now I want you to teach all nations. That's ethnos. Then he said, I want you to go to, in, the, in, the, in the earth, uh, to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the word land. You go to every spot of ground in every ethnic group, every nation. You go to every spot of ground and witness to everybody. However... In Mark, we come to our message tonight. In Mark, it's an unusual word, and I'm going I'm to surprise you tonight. In Mark, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, that word world does not mean earth. The word earth is mentioned, or land is mentioned, in uh, Acts 1.8. The word ethnos, or nation, is mentioned in uh, Matthew 28.19. But in Mark chapter 16, the Great Commission there... Uh, verse, uh, verses 14, 15, 16, and following, uh, where it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That word world there is an interesting word. It's the word cosmos. Now, what does that mean? That means the arrangement of the world. That When it says, Go to all the world and preach the gospel, he's not saying, Go to, to, go to every nation in, in, on the face of the earth and preach the gospel. No, he's saying, Go into every... The world cosmos is the word arrangement or order. What he's saying is, you go into the world system. What does that mean? That means go to the congressman and witness. That means go to the folks who sweep out the congress buildings and witness. That means you witness to your barber in the barbershop. That means you witness to your beautician in the beauty shop. It means the order of the world arrangement you're supposed to go to and get the gospel to every uh, creature. Now, there's not one single place, ladies and gentlemen, in all this book, not one single place in all the Bible, where we are to invite sinners to come to church. Not one single place. 
There are many, many, many places where we are commissioned to go where they are and get the gospel to them. The truth is, hardly anybody from the steel mills will ever come to this church unless we go where they are and get them. We're to go to the cosmos, go into all the world, the cosmos, the world order, the world arrangement, the steel mills, if you please, and the factories and the shops and the public places and the shopping centers and the theaters and the taverns and the nightclubs and the beer joints and, and and, uh, and the airports and the bus stations and the train terminals. We're to go into the entire world arrangement. It is not talking about foreign missions. I've heard about missionaries who preach this, going to all the world, preach the gospel. Now, I think if you want to go to Acts 1-8, you got yourself a missionary sermon. If, you want to, if, you, if you're going to stick with Mark 16-15, you got yourself a sermon that in every crevice and nook and cranny of the city of Hammond will take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not one place you be left out. It's the cosmos. It's the world arrangement, if you please. You see, uh, look at the soul winning that Jesus did. A college teacher in John chapter 3. A fallen woman in John chapter 4. A tax collector in Luke 19. A rich young ruler. A thief on the cross. Fisherman. What's Jesus showing us? He's saying that's the cosmos. He went to the fellows that were fishing beside the, the uh, on the sea of beside, on the sea of Galilee. He went to the fallen woman there at the at the, at the well at noontime. He went to the uh, uh, rich uh, the the uh, uh, college teacher, the Bible teacher um, uh, at at midnight, uh, Nicodemus. And uh, there was Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and Matthew, the tax collector. What he's saying is on the fishing hole and in the tax offices. And uh, and where the fallen women are, you're supposed to go to every crevice of society. That's what the Bible means when it says they that were scattered abroad everywhere. <laughs> they went everywhere preaching <coughs> the gospel. That does not mean just every nation. That means everywhere in every nation. There was a day when churches did this. There was a day when churches had street services. There was a day when churches passed out tracts on street corners. There was a day we went there went where they were. We have we have substituted in our generation the evangelistic church for the soul winning church. Now there's a difference in that. The evangelistic church is a church where the gospel is preached from the pulpit and people are to get saved and get under conviction while the gospel is preached. The Winning church is the church that goes out where people are, wins them to Christ wherever they are, brings them back to the services like we do here, and 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 then uh, you know I hardly ever preach a sermon on salvation. You're supposed to preach the sermons on salvation. We're supposed to preach the sermons on salvation. Sermons on salvation are not supposed to be preached necessarily behind a pulpit, but behind a counter at a store, uh, across the across uh, the bar at the tavern. Uh, at the uh, chair in the barber shop, in the beauty shop. That's where the gospel's will be preached. The Bible doesn't say, uh, go ye therefore and invite all people to come and hear the gospel preached. No, sir. The Bible said, go into all the world, all the cosmos. Yet our churches have deteriorated into being places where, uh, for example, uh, over and over again, prayers I hear prayed all over the country. Dear Lord, if there be anyone here tonight who needs Christ, who's out, who's not saved, save them tonight. But you ought to have gotten them saved before tonight. I was down in Evansville preaching at the Evansville Rescue Mission not long ago in an area-wide soul-winning conference. And after the service, a guy 
walked up to me and he said, Dr. Tiles, I've got a word I want to say to you. I want to, be, I want to tell you something that mistake you made tonight. And I said, all right, what is it? He said, I brought an unsaved person tonight with me. And he said, you preach to Christian people. I said, yes, there's 600 Christians here and you're one unsaved man. I preach to Christian people. Well, he said, that man's going to go to hell because you didn't preach the gospel. I said, no, he's not. That man's going to go to hell because you haven't got enough courage to witness to him. The preaching of the gospel in the Bible was in the world. Bible never said preach the gospel behind the pulpit. Bible never said preach the gospel in the church. Nothing wrong with that, but the Bible never said it. The Bible said go to the cosmos and preach the gospel. That means the public places. That means the street corners. That means where people are. Go. Somebody said there once in a while. Bible says daily in the temple and in every house. They cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now that means you're supposed to preach the gospel in the pulpit and preach the gospel from house to house. That's not what that teaches. The temple was not the place where people came to worship. The temple was a place where they came to shop. They came once a year, and the temple was a place where they sold things, and it was a, sort of like a county fair, if you please. When they came for these big gala occasions, it was not a place of worship like we have a building like this today. What he was saying, in the temple, what's that mean? That means in the county fair. All a witness at the county fair. That means the First Baptist Church of Hammond ought to have folks at the county fair telling folks how to be saved. That means the First Baptist Church of Hammond ought to have folks in amusement parks telling folks how to be saved. What do you say for the house? Won't that be, won't we be called sort of nutty for that? That's exactly what they were called in the New Testament. It say they that were, that, that turned the world upside down have come hither also. And that word world is cosmos. We're supposed to turn the cosmos upside down. We're supposed to turn the county fair upside down. We're supposed to turn the music parks upside down. We're supposed to get the barbershops all worried upside down. Why? Because our job is to take the gospel of grace and go in the cosmos, the arrangement of this old sinful world. They're not going to come to church and hear the gospel preached. You're going to have to go where they are and preach the gospel. I finished my book on uh, the Howe's Church Manual. I asked Dr. R.G. Lee, who pastored for 30-some-odd years, the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, one of the most famous churches in, in, in the world in those days. And uh, I asked him to write the introduction, which he did. When he gave me back, I gave him a copy of the manuscript. When he gave me back that manuscript, he began to cry uncontrollably. Tears rolled down his cheeks, and he began to tremble like that. And I said, Dr. Lee, why are you crying? And he said, why didn't I read that book 30 years ago? We're talking about the Prince of Preachers, R.G. Lee. Why didn't I read that book 30 years ago? And I said, what do you mean, Dr. Lee? He said, for 30 years, I've had an evangelistic church preaching the gospel to sinners that came. He said, if I could have read that book 30 years ago, I'd have baptized 3,000 people a year instead of 300 people a year. And the tragic truth is, even the best churches in America are nothing more than evangelistic churches. God intended for His church to be a beehive of taking the gospel to every nook and cranny of the world. The cosmos. That's why Jesus gave in three different places, three different uh, renditions of the Great Commission. He said in Matthew, go to all nations. Uh, ethnos, every ethnic group, go to the Germans and the French and the Spanish and, and the Polish and the Russians and the Chinese and the, the black people and the brown people and the red people and the white people. Go to every ethnos in the whole world 
And that means everybody in this ethnic area of ours is supposed to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you say, Brother Hiles, uh, some of these people are so wealthy, I'm afraid to go to the door. Don't be afraid to go to the door. They're going to burn in hell too if they don't get saved. Well, you say they won't listen. Well, the, Jesus didn't say make them listen. He said go tell them. There's a certain... Uh, People said, oh, for the house, I tell you, I guess it is curious. I go so winning, and sometimes I don't win anybody. Your joy ought to not be just winning, folks. The joy ought to be you get the message to them. And if they don't get saved, you at least wash your hands of their blood. It's our job. Matthew said every ethnos, every group, every race of people in the world. Then he said in... Acts 1.8, he said, the whole earth, all the land, every spot of land in every ethnos, every nation on the face of the earth. And then he said, every area of society in that nation and in all nations we're supposed to go to. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is this. We're supposed to be a reckless bunch of nuts. When I was in college, I took phonetics for six months before I found out it wasn't fanatics. I mean, we're supposed to be fools for Christ. Dr. R.G. Lee had a sermon, I'm a fool for Christ, who's fool are you? If these sunbathers can lay out on the beach and lay out there and fry and bake, listen to me, bake and boil and broil on the beach for hours and hours, that's what you call fanaticism. But bless God, I can preach the gospel and tell people I'd be gave you saved for hours and hours and hours. If baseball players can practice four or five hours a day and then play three or four hours a day, bless God, I can be just as fanatical about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, all the world, cosmos, every area, government buildings. <laughs> I think it was United Nations building. I'm not sure if it was. It was some government building. Carl Hatch. Carl Hatch is one of the best soul winners in the world. He's, he's a screwball, but he's one of the best soul winners in the world. Probably Carl Hatch has the best, most healthy Bible witness ministry of any man I know. Carl Hatch was in the, I think, United Nations building. He decided to pass out tracts. He got the doors. Folks walked in. He's passing out tracks. Folks got upset and got, got criticized. And they went to the, to the guard there, security guard, and they said, uh, this man's passing out tracks. It's against the law. And the security guard came over and said to Carl Hatch, he said, it's against the law for you to pass out these tracks. Carl Hatch said, okay, I won't pass them out. He said, it's against the law to read in here. Well, no, no, not against the law to read. So Carl Hatch got the door of the United Nations building and started reading the tract out loud. Romans 3.10 says, That is, is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he started reading the tract. Well, he wasn't breaking any law. No law against reading, and no law against reading out loud. After about ten minutes of that, the guard came over and said, Pass out your tract. That's what New Testament Christianity is. Oh, this modern church movement that you, you're supposed to come and holy, 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 and have a formal kind of a ritualistic worship service on Sunday morning to look up to God and say, we know you're there. Now we go out and live like the devil. That's not New Testament Christianity. 
New Testament Christianity is when God's people decide that people are lost without Christ and lost people die in their sins and folks that die in their sins go to hell and folks that go to hell burn forever and we say we're not going to let them go to hell unless we give them a chance to know the way of salvation. Same Carl Hatch. Not only goes to the United Nations, he goes to men's washrooms across the country. He goes where they have these little booths, you know, in these men's washrooms. Every time he sees two feet under one of these doors, he takes the track, says, read that uh, while you're, uh, read that. <laughs> I didn't mean to go that far. He said, read that. So you folks that are grouchy looking, I'm going to preach to you laugh so you can talk to you. I'd suggest you, I'd suggest you fake one before we leave. You think you upset me because you're grouchy. What you want to do is you want to sip your cocktails all week long and watch your dirty movies all week long and suck your cigarettes all week long and go to your dances all week long, go to your next bathing all week long and come to church on a Sunday morning and feel like you've done God a favor because you, for one hour, you worship Him and put a dollar in the collection plate. Let me tell you, New Testament Christianity was God's people going everywhere to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere. John Wesley looked down from heaven, saw Carl Hatch passing those tracks underneath those doors, said to Martin Luther and John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon, look at there. They got those folks locked up in booze down there trying to get them saved now. The cosmos, that's what the, that's a part of the cosmos. Part of the world arrangement. Going to all the cosmos. That means United Nations building. That means the toilets. The cosmos. The New Testament church was scattered abroad everywhere. That word everywhere means it wasn't anywhere they weren't scattered abroad. Everywhere. That's New Testament Christianity. This modern Sunday morning worship service where a bunch of sinners come to tip God and, and wink at God on Sunday morning. There's a gospel. Listen, is there a hell or is there not a hell? The people who die without Christ burn forever or not. If they do, let's tell them about the way to heaven. Jesus said, the cosmos. He said, go to every ethnic group, go to every spot of ground in that ethnic group, and go to every part of the society of every ethnic group. The cosmos. That's why... A lawyer I do business with does my income tax. A couple of years, three years ago when he finished my tax, so happened nobody was in the room. Nobody was waiting to see him. And I said to him, I'd like to ask you a question. I've been here many times, but this is the first time we've ever been just alone here in the room. I said to the lawyer, do you know if you died you'd go to heaven? His wife had passed away not long before that, and his heart was tender, and he said, no. And I said, wouldn't you like to know if you died now you'd go to heaven? He said, yes, I would. You listen to me. They may look like they're hard, but lawyers need Christ just like everybody else needs Christ. And they may look like they're hard, but doctors need Jesus just like everybody else needs Jesus. And they may look like they're hard, but millionaires need Jesus just like everybody else needs Jesus. And there in that lawyer's office, I won my lawyer to Jesus Christ, and he with tears received Christ as his Savior. That's the cosmos. I was down in... In, oh, I won my dentist's wife to Christ. 
not the dentist I use now, but the fellow I used to use moved out of the area. I want his wife to Christ. That's the cosmos, the dentist office. That's the cosmos. I went there. Every time I'd go, I'd witness to her. And she got where she hated me. She didn't want to see me. She was also his nurse and secretary. And she got where, when I came, she'd go back in the back office and stay till I got out. One day I walked in and she said, Reverend, don't you talk to me about God now. Don't talk about God. I said, I'm not going to talk about God. She said, okay, good. I'll come out where you are then. If you promise you won't talk about God. I said, I promise I won't talk about God. She came out and I said, let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> she said, Reverend, don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. And about that time, it was a cold, rainy day. Uh, it was the first warm day after a cold winter. About that time, an old lady walked in. And the old lady was poor. She had on tennis shoes, and it was still snow on the ground that was melting. And she had a, ra- a, a handkerchief in her hand like that, and she had some uh, some bloody false teeth right there in the handkerchief. And she said, uh, she said, hello. And the dentist's wife said, hello, Mary, how are you? I'm fine. My teeth don't fit. Would you, would you fix my teeth? My teeth don't fit. And uh, the dentist's wife said, well, I'd be glad to fix your teeth, Mary, if they're still guaranteed. She said, guaranteed or not, they still don't fit. And uh, and I got to get my teeth fixed. And the, then my dentist's wife said, Mary, I, I'll have to check the guarantee. She checked her file. She said, Mary, I'm sorry, but your guarantee's up. I don't care if guarantee's up or not. My teeth still don't fit, and I got to get my teeth fixed or my teeth don't fit. And she said, Mary, I can't do it. And Mary said, Mary, why didn't you come sooner? I couldn't come sooner because it's been cold. I lived two miles or so from the patient. I had to walk and I don't have any car. And it's been too cold, been below zero and snow on the ground. We don't have any car. And this first pretty day I've had, first time I could come, my teeth don't fit. Then his wife said, Mary, I'm sorry, we can't fix your teeth. You guarantee period's over. I said to the dentist's wife, what would it cost to give Mary a set of teeth, have another set made for her? She said about $400. I said, make a set for Mary and put it on my bill. I'm going to pay that one of these days, too. I, she said, Reverend, do you know Mary? I said, no. I, Mary said, who are you? Who are you? And I said, I'm Brother House, Pastor of First Baptist Church. You're the Jesus man. I've heard about you. You're the Jesus man. And Mary was saved, and she walked out in this church the next Sunday morning and was baptized. Three days after Mary got saved, my phone rang in the office, and the receptionist said, Brother Howes, your dentist's wife wants to talk to you. I picked up the phone, and my dentist's wife said, Reverend, I can't sleep. haven't slept ever since you bought those teeth for Mary. I can't sleep. I've tried to sleep at night, and I can't sleep. She said, if I came to your office, would you tell me how to get saved? I said, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm very, very busy. I haven't got time. She came to my office and I told her the wonderful story of the love of Christ and that dentist wife was saved. Let me tell you something. A lot of people look hard and act hard that aren't hard. Down in the human heart, crushed with the temper, feelings Liberia that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kind. Listen, the rich people need the gospel. The poor people need the gospel. The doctors need the gospel. The patients need the gospel. The businessman needs the gospel. The custodian needs the gospel. It's for everybody. The cosmos, the whole area of society, every nook and cranny of society. Down in Alamrata, Florida, where I've gone for many years, every year for a conference. One day I was down in Alamrata, looked up, and there was, I, I couldn't believe who I saw, whom I saw. There standing on the corner of the street there was Ted Williams, the all, all Hall of Fame baseball player. When I was a youngster, Ted Williams was my hero. I followed Ted Williams, and 
I looked up and I said, Ted Williams, I'm Jack Hiles. I'm your number one fan in America. Of course, Ted Williams is up in the years now. He's probably 70 years of age. And uh, he said, he was very nice, very personable to me. And I said, Ted, I remember when you got mad one day at the, at the umpire and you got so mad at your own manager, you decided to swing with just one hand. And you took the bat in your left hand and swung with your left hand, knocked the ball against the fence, uh, center field fence for a double. He said, you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. I said, also remember one day that you got, you got so mad because you struck out, you threw your bat and hit a lady in the head over there on the front row. And uh, you thought she was going to sue you, but she was honored to be hit by your bat. And uh, you walked over and signed the bat and gave it to her. He said, do you remember that? I said, well, of course I remember that. I also remember that in 1941, you were batting 399.6 with, with the doubleheader left to, left to play. If you hadn't have played that day, you'd have batted 399.6, which means 400. And you'd have batted 400. If you got enough hits that day, you'd go 400. If you didn't, you'd go under 400. And you gambled on a chance of being 400. Went 6 for 10, the doubleheader, and batted 406. He said, you know more about me than I do. He said, if I ever run for president, would you be my campaign manager? And I said, I sure would. But I said, Ted, the 521 home runs you hit will not help you when you stand before God. The 346 or so lifetime batting average you have will not help you when you stand before God. I said, those six batting titles you won will not help you when you stand before God. I said, Ted, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And tears came in that hall of famer's eyes, and he said, uh, I do not know I'd go to heaven. I said, would you like to know? He said, I certainly would. And 400 people gathered there on the sidewalk, about 400 people, and heard me present the gospel to Ted Williams, and heard that man pray with tears in his eyes out loud in front of a crowd of about 400 people and receive Christ as his personal Savior. I'm saying that's what the cosmos is all about. You say, Brother Hiles, aren't you, aren't you scared to talk to Ted Williams? No, he's scared to talk to me. I represent the king. I walk with the king. Hallelujah. I walk with the king. Praise his name. No longer I roam. My soul faces home. I walk and I talk with the king. Why should I be discouraged? Why should I be scared? Why should I be cowed? Why should I be intimidated? Intimidate Ted Williams. I've witnessed on airplanes to Jimmy Stewart, the famous movie star. I witnessed to the former president. Harry Truman on airplanes. I witnessed the Tip O'Neill on airplanes. I witnessed the Robert Frost on airplanes. I've wit- and you said, the house, aren't you a little afraid of those famous people? No, sir. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. And uh, if they don't brush their teeth, their breath smells bad. They don't want to take a bath. They got underarm odor, just like I do. They're human beings who are going to hell if they don't get saved. And my Bible commands me to get the gospel to the cosmos. Every area of society. I was at the airport not long ago. Walked up to the lady agent and nobody was there. Late at night out in Los Angeles. By myself and she didn't have any patients or customers. And I walked up. And I said, ma'am, I said, uh, do you have your reservation made? She said, somehow I think the wrong person here is asking that question. She said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, you want to bet? She said, what are you talking about? I said, you're going to go to eternity one of these days. Well, she said, I know what you are. You're one of those fundamentalists, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm one of those fundamentalists. And uh, 
She said, well, we don't believe like you do. I said, it doesn't matter whether you believe like I do or not, but you've got to believe like that book believes or you're going to go to hell. Well, she said, I believe as long as you're sincere in whatever you believe. You go one way, I go another way. You go one road, I go another road. We'll all get there in the end if we're sincere. She said, I certainly I have your ticket. She said, where are you going? I said, I don't care. I said, I live in Chicago. I'd like to end up in Chicago. She said, what flight? I said, doesn't matter. Flight to Hong Kong will be okay. As long as you're sincere, it'll all end up in Chicago. There after midnight in the Los Angeles airport, she said, I get the message, and I wanted that lady to Christ right there in the airport. Why? That's a cosmos. That's what it is. What we're supposed to do. Well, you said they'll think we're nutty. The other day I was driving down. I'm, I'm not worried they'll think I'm nutty. I'm worried they'll think I'm not nutty. Driving down the highway the other day out in California, going from Santa Maria, California to Los Angeles Airport. I like talk. I like talk on the radio. I like to learn something on the radio. So I looked for something, somebody talking. I came to a religious program. And the preacher was preaching. And he was using the Bible. And um, so I uh, I kept listening, and he went on. He was talking. He began to say this. He said, "Now this this uh, thing of just boldly going up and talking to somebody about salvation is uh, uncouth." He said, uh, "The thing that he said that's 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 not the the dignified way to do it, yeah, Buster. It may not be the dignified way, but it's the Bible way to do it." He said, the truth is, we're supposed to live so people will, he, he called it lifestyle evangelism. And I kept listening to that bird, uh, that preacher, and, uh, and he made fun of witnessing, he made fun of soul winning, he made fun of asking people, in fact, he, he went on he went to say, he said this thing of asking people, you know, if you died, you'd go to heaven, if you don't get saved, you'll go to hell. He said, that's repulsive to dignified people. The Lord didn't say preach the gospel to those to whom it's not repulsive. He said every creature. He made fun of our kind of soul winning, Bible kind of soul winning. It was all over the announcer said, you've been listening to Chuck Swindoll. But Swindoll, you're full of prunes. So you fighting Chuck Swindoll? I'd fight Grandma Moses if she fought soul winning. I'd fight John R. Rice reincarnated if he fought soul winning. I'd fight my mama if she was against soul winning. Because my Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and that's God's plan. And I rebel somebody getting too dignified and too uppity to do it like God said to do it. All the cosmos, all the world, everywhere they are. I was down in little town in, forgotten the name of the town, in southern Louisiana, down in the way in the Cajun country. I mean, where Cajuns are more Cajun than they are when they're not as much Cajun as they are in other places where they're not Cajun. Way down in the Cajun country. We went to a little restaurant downtown, a little city there, and, and to eat a bite, and the waitress came up, and she was a lady about 55 years old, I guess, and, and uh, she said to me, I'll take your order. 
I said, yes, ma'am, I'd like a Big Mac and a chocolate shake and some french fries. She took the pad there she was going to write the order on and threw it down on the table. She looked at me and said, it dead sure beats anything we have here. I said, you don't seem very happy. She said, I just got fired. It's my last day. And I wanted a Christ. The restaurants are part of the cosmos. United Nations buildings are part of the cosmos. The washrooms are part of the cosmos. Not over here, the Seven Seas Lounge over here. Uh, new dancing took place over where our servicemen are uh, now. And new dancing, less than two blocks from where I'm standing right now. What we do here at First Baptist, we just went over and stayed outside that place and passed out tracks and witnessed to folks all over that sidewalk as they walked in and out. One day, all of a sudden, that place closed. You heard me tell this time and time again. The place closed. I didn't know why it closed. Up for sale. We bought it. Made a serviceman center out of it. And uh, uh, several years passed. I got a call one day as I left the office. Said, please call a certain number in West Virginia. I got the airport. I called that number. A fellow said, my name called his name. He said, I, Mr. Reverend Hiles, he said, for years I owned the Seven Sea Lounge, the Seven Seas Lounge near your church. I thought, oh, my soul, he's going to let me have it. He said, Reverend, he said, there's never been a man in my life I've hated like I hate you. I've often wondered why a lovable man like me is hated so much. But he said, I, I, he said, uh, I own that Seven Seas Lounge. He said, your people stayed over there and passed out tracks and passed out tracks and witnessed everybody came in. And he said, I'd go home and I'd say to my wife, I'm going to kill those people and then I'm going to go kill that man that sends those people over here. I hate that man with a passion. Never saw him, but I hate him. If I ever see him, I'll kill him. He said, Reverend, I went home one night and I said to my wife, those people are getting through to me. He said, that night I knelt and got one of those little tracks here passing out, and I got saved. And he said, the next week I closed the Seven Seas Lounge. Now he said, the reason I called you on the phone was to invite you to my ordination service next Sunday afternoon. I'm going to be ordained to preach the gospel. And that man, and listen, we could have gone over there with this, what, what they called, what Mr. Uh, MacArthur and Mr. Swindoll called lifestyle evangelism. And you go there and you smile enough, you'll say, hey, I'd like to smile. What can I? Uh, tell me how to smile. And we could have smiled over there till we had creases in our jaws. You'd have died and gone to hell. It's not God's plan to go and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and say, okay, now I'm just going to live before you and you want what I got. That's not God's plan. God said preach and teach and witness. That means yak, 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 yak. What do you mean? He said, that's repulsive. My education, you didn't get right with God, they won't be repulsive. Sure. Your kind of no soul winning is repulsive to my God, too. I don't like your preaching. I'm going to worry about that when I have time. i got too many things to worry about right now without worrying about one person liking my preaching. I was at the doctor's office in Garland, Texas. He examined me. Heart specialist. Thought I had a heart attack years ago. Found I didn't have a heart. Years ago. He examined me thoroughly. I said, now, Doc, let me examine you. I grabbed his stethoscope around his neck and started holding it up to his heart. I said, uh-oh, cold, cold. He said, what are you talking about? I said, Doc, I want my heart right and I want your heart right. 
And right in that office, I wanted that doctor to Jesus Christ and baptize him the next Sunday night in the Miller Road Baptist Church at Garland, Texas. Used to be a barber shop right over here across the street. I got my hair cut over there. One day when I finished getting my hair cut, nobody was there but the barber and me. And I told him, let me tell you the most wonderful story you ever heard. And won the barber to Christ right across the street over there. I'm saying that's what the, the, the cosmos is all about. I was at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport a few months ago. It was late at night. I, was taking, I had about the last flight out of there. I went to the gift shop to get me a paper. The gift shop was closing. They were just closing the books and counting the money and closing for the day. They did not see me there buying a paper, and one lady, and a lady said to the other, she said, I am so tired I could just die. I said, then what? She said, were you talking? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what did you say? I said, then what? You said you're so tired you could just die. Then what? Well, she said, I don't know. I said, would you like to know? One to Christ right there. That's the cosmos. That's the cosmos. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at the airport, buying a paper. I was whistling and singing. Eating crackers again. And, uh, and uh, the little lady there at the, at the little gift shop, she said, uh, she said, you must be happy. I said, I'm the happiest person you ever waited on. She said, uh, you must have a good boss. I said, the best. She said, I said, you'd like to meet my boss? She said, is he with you? I said, he travels with me all the time. She said, go get him. I left. She took off. Got him. Didn't have to go get him. He's already there, but I wanted her to think I was going to get him. Brought him back. Wanted a Christ right there in the little gift shop in Charlotte. And that's what it means when it says cosmos. The cosmos. We built a building in Garland, Texas, a new auditorium. I paid the last payment to the contractor, RDS, this is his name. I gave him the last payment. He gave me the receipt. The building was over. The payment, the finances all settled. And I said, now, Mr. Estes, I want to talk to you about another building. He said, good. I said, this one's not made with hands eternal in the heavens. That 65-year-old contractor, straight, wealthy man, he trusted Christ as his Savior in my office. He was the first, second person baptized in the baptistry of that new building. The first person was the put, person putting in the baptistry. I want him to Christ in the baptistry is putting in. That's the cosmos. That's the cosmos everywhere. Out in front of the taverns and the, and the, and the strip places. Uh, in the barber shops, in the airports, everywhere. And you say, Brother Hyde, that's against my refinement. If you're more refined than the Word of God, you're too refined. I was out the airport catching a plane. I was going down a concourse and there's a fellow there preaching up, preaching up a storm. I mean, he had one point. You're going to hell if you don't get born again. Over and over again he said it. I walked over to him and I said, sir, I want to tell you I appreciate you standing out here preaching like this. He said, thank you. I said, I, I'm honored to meet you. I said, my name is Dr. Jack Hiles and I just want to thank you. He said, no. I said, yeah. He said, you're my hero. I said, you're mine. I said, you're the one preaching here. You're the one standing up here doing what I ought to be doing. That's the cosmos. Well, you say, Brother House, 
Those nuts are everywhere. I know that's what they said in the New Testament. Yeah. When John Wesley started the Methodist Church, they were they bothered people to death everywhere. They passed laws against John Wesley's crowd because they witnessed everywhere they could go. That's the cosmos. That's God's command to us. Go to the cosmos. <laughs> Folks don't do that much anymore. Dr. John Rice used to pastor when I was a kid down in the ghettos of southwest Dallas. Dr. John Rice was a younger preacher then. He was pastoring the Galilean Baptist Church over in Oak Cliff, a block from where I went to high school. About six blocks from there was the city, was the city zoo. And down the city zoo, they had an old baboon named Henry. I think he worked for the biblical evangelist or something, but, um, had a, had a baboon named Henry. Maybe he was the editor, I don't know, but anyway, uh, he had a, and, and, and everybody would go watch Henry perform. I can still remember it. I used to just to watch Henry. I was down there one day, and there was Dr. Rice preaching right beside Henry. And nobody was listening to him but Henry. But he was preaching the gospel to Henry. Old Dr. John Rice, the world's most famous, powerful pen, editor of the Sword of the Lord, one of the most famous evangelists in the world. What was he doing? Down at the zoo! Preaching the gospel. Anybody that listened to him. That day nobody was listening but Henry. Dr. Lee Robertson one day was preaching on a street corner. And he had a big, uh, had a big high improvised, uh, uh, platform there. And not one person was listening to him, not one. He's preaching away. An old drunk was leaning up down against the platform, looking up at Dr. Robertson, and uh, nobody else was paying attention at all. And Dr. Robertson preaching up a storm there on the street corner. And the old drunk looked up and he said, well, fellas, some days you just ain't got it, have you? That's New Testament Christianity. Yeah, that's Bible Christianity. I double dog dare you to disprove it. That's the real issue today. The real issue is Mr. Sumner and I don't agree on biblical evangelism. That's the real issue. That crowd calls people that get the gospel everywhere easy believism preachers. Uh, easy believe. That's, that's the whole issue here. The whole issue. We're fighting for our lives to preserve old-fashioned Book of Acts, New Testament Christianity. I'm going to kill myself with that microphone here. I'm simply saying that that's the issue we're facing. I read an article the other day by Mr. Walt Hanford. I read an article by him. He's talking about all Christians aren't exactly alike. He said we're not paper dolls. He said we're, we're different. And he's right on that. And yet he went on down to say in the article, he said our, our methods of witnessing and effective witnessing are different. He said to some, they prefer to go out and knock on doors. To others, they have cottage prayer groups and Bible study groups and invite folks to come to cottage prayer groups and Bible study groups. Wouldn't give you a dime for all of those. That's not God's command. God didn't say go into all the world and invite folks to your living room and have some coffee and donuts and after a few months you wiggle them into the kingdom. God said go out there and tell them how to be saved and you get through there, go somewhere else. That's God's command. I'm sick and tired of all these new methods substituting for God's great commission. All over America you've got coffee shops where a bunch of uh, backslidden preachers get a, build, a room in the building and paint it with psychedelic colors and 
let their males grow long shaggy hair like the hippies and the females wear their, their, their blue jeans. By the way, let me say a word here. I just don't think, and this is off the subject totally, but I want to say it, so I'll say it. I just don't think it's in good taste for a bunch of teenagers running around here wearing blue jeans that look like they're 30 years old. We used to throw them away, the kind you buy new. I believe in propriety. I believe in, in, in uh, being proper and appropriate. That's just sort of tossed in. But I'm, I'm saying they get a bunch of teenagers and they let the guys grow long hair and let the girls wear their pants and, the, and uh, they get a guitar and they get some religious words and put it to a bunch of rock music and invite the teenagers to come in, the hippies to come in, and so they can get them saved. Now, I want to tell you something right now. That's not God's method, and it's not God's not pleased with that kind of garbage. You don't have to put on a, a bikini to win folks that have bikinis. I know, I know Christian groups that, that the girls wear bikinis and, 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 and go on the beaches so they can witness the boy, other people on the beaches. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to take this message and go to every ethnos, every ethnic group on the face of God's green earth and go to every spot of land in that ethnos, in that nation and, 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 and reach every crevice, every cosmos of that society. That's God's method and that's God's plan. This battle we're having right now, a lot of it started over this very thing. One of the first comments I ever had from Mr. Nistic was he'd call one of my preacher friends and complain because everything at First Baptist was soul winning. Well, let me tell everybody in the world who's hearing me by tape or hearing me from this room right now, bless God, that's why Jesus left heaven and came to earth. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. That's the purpose of it all. There's a hell and there's a heaven. And Jesus is the difference. And our job is to spend our lives telling people in every ethnos, nation, every, every uh, uh, part, speck of land in that nation, and every nook and cranny of that nation, every cosmos, the arrangement, the order of the world, it's our job to get the gospel into every place. Now listen to me carefully. I'm finished. This is the real issue. We're fighting for three things. We're fighting tonight the battle of our lives for three things. Number one, old-fashioned, book of Acts, New Testament, That's what we're fighting for. Now let me ask you a question. Who's doing it? Now reason carefully with me. There was the day when the Charismatics did it. The old Charismatics, the Pentecostals, had street services. They went from house to house. Now they don't do that. They've got these modern buildings and movie stars come to testify and they have Johnny Cash. If he can get sober long enough, he comes to testify. Pat Boone leaves his nightclub early on Saturday night so he can get enough sleep to go to church on Sunday morning and preach. The charismatics no longer are doing personal soul winning. 
There was a day when Nazarenes did personal sowing. No longer. There was a day when Church of God people did personal sowing. No longer. There was a day when your Southern Baptist people did personal sowing. Almost unheard of nowadays. You have some that preach the gospel from the pulpit, but old-fashioned personal soul winning being scattered about everywhere is pretty well gone. The only, the last fortress in America for personal soul winning, Bible kind of Christianity, is independent fundamental Baptist. And tonight there's a movement inside the Southwide Baptist Fellowship against what I'm preaching about tonight. And there's a movement tonight inside the Baptist Bible Fellowship against what I'm preaching tonight. And if, if the people in this room and the people who, who stand with us across this nation, if we get to the place to where we do not stand up for old-fashioned, uh, scattered about everywhere, uh, soul winning, brother, if we quit doing it, there will not be one single group in America doing it, and soul winning will die in, the, in our generation. It's life or death. It's life or death for personal soul winning. There's a second thing, standards. There was a day when you saw a Pentecostal person or charismatic, you could tell them by the way they were dressed. Now you can tell them by the way they're undressed. There was a day when you saw a Nazarene person, you could tell a Nazarene lady. There was a day when you saw a Church of God person, you could tell them. You saw a Baptist person, you could tell them. Back in my early days, there was a day when the old shouting Methodists, you could tell who they were when you saw them. Would you tell me anybody these days that's fighting for men to get haircuts and ladies to wear dresses and fighting against mixed bathing and ladies showing their thighs in public, would you tell me any group on the face of the earth that's standing for that kind of separation except a few independent fundamental Baptists? If we lose this battle, ladies and gentlemen, there will not be any separatist uh, movement on the face of God's earth. We're down to the last battle. The last fortress. Same thing's true with old fashioned preaching. Our young men are surrendering their lives to preach the gospel and trotting off to some fundamental schools and some of you where you send your kids. They're trotting off to fundamental schools where a bunch of dead theologians are teaching them how to preach and they can't preach their way out of a paper sack. And I'll guarantee you, old fashioned, emotional, I'm talking about emotional, I'm talking about screaming and hollering and bellering and kicking and frothing at the mouth. I'm talking about old-fashioned preaching, the kind that built this nation. There was a day when you had it in many of the groups. But I'll guarantee you today, you'll find as many independent, fundamental, so-called Baptist preachers that sound like a lecture circuit as you will, that really cut loose and know how to preach and preach from their hearts with tears and brokenness and concern and compassion and zeal and the fire of God. Why? We're dying! That's why. There's more to it than a preacher getting up here and screaming and hollering and trying to stir you up. There's more to it than that. You're looking tonight, you're in, you are tonight in the, at the center, the nerve center of soul winning in this world. First Baptist Church of Hammond in the eye. You're, you're, you are in the auditorium tonight that is the headquarters of separatist Christianity. And the headquarters of old-fashioned preaching. We've got to preserve it. Jesus took those eleven men up to the top of that hill. He said to those men, I'm giving you marching orders. 
And they said, what is it? He said, you take this message that I have just made possible by my resurrection from the dead. The last step of the gospel. You take that message. Where are we supposed to take it, Jesus? He said, you take it to every ethnos. Every ethnic group. Every nation on the face of the earth. Every race on the face of the earth. All right, Jesus. What else? He's okay. He said, let me give it to you again. He said, you take it to every spot of ground in every nation. Okay, Jesus. What else? He said, let me give you, let me paraphrase it. He said, you take it to every cosmos. You take it in every nook and cranny. Every part of the world arrangement. Every part of the world order. You take it. There's a man in our church named John Rogers. John's a middle-aged man now. And John was a young man when I first came here almost 30 years ago. John used to go out here on the Bowman Expressway. It was called something else then. Bowman Expressway. In Hammond, he'd hitchhike. He'd get in the car. He got a ride. Go to Gary and witness to the fellow. He'd get out of the car in Gary and hitchhike back to Hammond. Then he'd shot back to Gary. He'd shot back to Hammond. Then he'd go out there and he'd, he'd, he'd get his own car and he'd drive looking for a hitchhiker. Take him to Gary. Turn around and find a hitchhiker. Take him back to Hammond. Then get another hitchhiker. Take him back to Gary. That's what the Bible's talking about. The cosmos. Every facet of society. Now listen. What are you doing about your cosmos? Your cosmos, your little world. Maybe you don't go to the United Nations building or to the washroom. Like Carl Hatch does. I have some suspicion that you may go to one of those two. I'm not sure which one. But maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe your cosmos, you'll never meet Ted Williams, but you'll meet your beautician. You'll meet your paper boy. You'll meet your milkman. You'll meet your bread man. You'll meet your barber. You'll meet your landlord. Your cosmos. Now with this I'm through again. And then I'll give something else and be through again. With this I'm through again. If I were preaching tonight in the average church in America, the great purpose of my message would be to get you to go to your cosmos and reach everybody you can in your cosmos. But since I'm preaching behind the pulpit of First Baptist Church in Hammond tonight, the father of the bus ministry in America, the father of real old-fashioned cosmos, ethnos, every inch of land, soul winning, I'm preaching to a group of people whose obedience to what I'm preaching about tonight not only saves people from hell in this area, but influences a whole nation to do the same thing. And thereby, many more people will get saved and be saved from hell because of this type of preaching in this place than just those that you went to Christ yourself. God has placed us here in this area uniquely and, and, and strategically. I've said it again and again. 
if that great city of Chicago there is ever reached for Christ, she'll be reached for the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. You say, just this church? This church and uh, over 20 churches in the Chicago area right now. No, no, over 40 churches in the Chicago Calumet region right now pastored by people that once attended this church or our college. It's our job. We'll answer to God for it. You know that if you took the number of people that have walked the aisle in the last 30 years in this church professing faith in Christ and divided that number of people into the population of the Chicago area, one person out of every 14 people in the Chicago area has walked the aisle in the First Baptist Church of Hammond receiving Christ to save. It's our job. Our cosmos. What is the cosmos? The apartment houses in Chicago. What is the cosmos? Little boys and girls that live in those apartment houses that don't know who their daddies are. What is our cosmos? The mothers rearing children by themselves. What is the cosmos? The gangland members in Chicago. What is the cosmos? The ghetto bound people in Chicago. What is the cosmos? The rich, the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind, everybody. The entire world arrangement. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? That's what the battle's all about. This battle's not Hiles against Sumner. This battle is Hiles' soul winning against Sumner's soul winning. This battle is against Hiles' kind of Christianity versus Sumner's kind of Christianity. What folks don't realize is long time before Mr. Sumner wrote that article, I wouldn't have had him preach for me. And he wouldn't have had me preach for him. Our philosophies were totally different. And brother, if he shoots us down, he shoots soul winning down. That's why it's important this crowd be here tonight. That's why it's important we work hard this summer. We're fighting for the life not only of this preacher and this church. We're fighting for the life of the kind of Christianity and New Testament. And by the way, you won't hush me up. You come tonight and talk to me about any name that I call tonight, and he won't do you any good. You may as well howl at the moon and cut it up into cheese and put it between crackers and eat it for a midnight snack. I will not be hushed. I will not be shut up. My mind is made up. My head, and my, my heart is fixed. My head is set, and he will not be changed. You can like it or not like it. You can lump it or not lump it. You won't change me, brother. If a man sitting on the radio and preaches against uh, my Bible kind of soul winning, I'm going to call his name and expose him. If you don't like it, you can put some earplugs in when you come to church while I'm preaching. Man says that he's sending souls to hell. In God's dear name, in God's dear name. Let's keep this place a beehive of soul winning activity. Obeying the Great Commission, like the New Testament church being scattered abroad everywhere. Every ethnos, every bit of ground in every ethnos, and every single part of the cosmos. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.